As is often the case, the stories of those who go on to accomplish great things in their lives usually begin softly, humbly, and without fanfare. Isn't that why our heroes are often our role models? Because they're just like us. The men and women who inspire us have everything in their DNA that we have. They have struggles and triumphs, good days and bad. By studying their earliest days, though, odds are we'd be able to see glimpses of the people they would become, glimpses of the feats they would go on to accomplish. And it's no different for Father Nelson Baker, Western New York's own saintly hero. The man who would go on to build a city of charity that would improve the lives of thousands during his life, not to mention thousands more in the years since his death, was not born into wealth. He was not handed the keys to the city he would one day build, and he was not the beneficiary of a time machine that would allow every decision he made to turn into a good one. No, but if we take a close look at Father Baker's early years, we can see the characteristics that would allow this ordinary man who did extraordinary things to become a true hero to those in need. In this episode of Father Baker Retold, we'll do just that. It all began in Buffalo. Nelson Henry Baker was born on February 16, 1842, in a city that was just beginning to boom. Incorporated only 10 years earlier, Buffalo benefited from its key location on Lake Erie and at the head of Erie Canal. Powered by a number of quickly expanding industries, the city more than doubled its size between 1840 and 1850, going from a population of 18,000 to 42,000. And in the midst of it all stood a family-run grocery and general store, located on Batavia Street, what would be renamed Broadway years later. Its proprietors were Lewis and Carolyn Baker. Lewis, a German Lutheran, arrived in the U.S. with his family in 1834. Carolyn, whose maiden name was Don Ellen, was an Irish Catholic who came to America from England when she was just a child. An interesting historical note is that the family name was actually Becker. When Lewis's family came to America, they made the decision to anglicize the name, changing it to Baker. So, yes, we were that close to knowing Father Baker as Father Becker. In 1839, Lewis and Carolyn welcomed a son, Lewis, who was joined by Nelson in 1842, Andrew in 1845, and Ransom in 1846. As one might expect, there are not too many official records that speak to Nelson's earliest years, but there are a few. Shortly after his birth, Nelson was baptized into the Lutheran faith. Years later, when he was just nine, he was rebaptized a Catholic by Father Joseph Lennon in St. Patrick's Church. Many years later, Father Baker wrote about that day in his diary. I thank God for having raised me to the dignity of the Catholic priesthood through the influence of my mother. It would not be the last time his mother acted as a spiritual force in Nelson's life. Thanks to the store's popularity and Lewis's business savvy, the family lived a comfortable, middle-class existence in humble quarters above the store. As a youth, he was described as a thin, wiry boy who possessed a gentle but strong disposition, a ready smile, and a pleasant sense of humor. And about that sense of humor, following is a story that appears in Floyd Anderson's The Incredible Story of Father Baker. It's also referred to in Father Richard Gribble's authorized biography, Father of the Fatherless. The local Republican organization had its offices near the Baker's store. Down the street was the Democratic headquarters. Both had proud flags flying in front of their locations. 
One summer, there was considerable political activity, with men gathered at both headquarters. So much so, it attracted the attention of Nelson and his younger brother, Ransom. Nelson's active mind hatched a scheme. That night, the two tiptoed their way to the Republican flagpole and lowered the flag. Folding it, they made their way quickly to the Democratic flagpole. Nelson took down that flag and raised the Republican banner. Silently, they did the same at the Republican headquarters, and soon the double switch of flags was accomplished. The two made their way back to their beds and waited anxiously for the morning. The next day, while doing their chores, the boys heard an uproar. They raced to the front of the store and witnessed quite the scene. Men were yelling and pushing each other. Those blasted Democrats put their flag on our flagpole. Those blasted Republicans put their flag on our flagpole. Now, none of that, said Nelson's dad. Some practical joker is probably having the time of his life watching you men act like boys. Take the flags down and hope the editor of the paper doesn't find out about this, or you'll be the laughing stock of Buffalo. Lewis let his eyes rove over the crowd and then reflectively settled on his two sons. He then thoughtfully stroked his chin. Nelson thought, does he know? According to those who knew him as a youth, Nelson was athletically and musically gifted. He was an avid baseball player who liked to sing and play the piano and guitar. Match these qualities with a quick analytical mind, and you may say that young Nelson was the total package. Don't believe us? Just ask a former childhood friend who later was quoted as saying, Nelson was a very popular young man at parties because he could sing, dance, and play the piano, guitar, and snare drum. He even composed some pieces. He was a real catch. Nelson attended elementary school number 12, located at the corner of Batavia and Spring Streets in Buffalo. He then attended the school's first secondary school, Central High, from which he graduated at the age of 17. After high school, he joined the rest of the family working at the general store. At that point in his life, his path seemed pretty straightforward. He seemed destined to either take over the family business when Lewis retired or leverage his intelligence and charisma to start his own. It all seemed so clear, but as we all know, life is seldom predictable. When he was 21 years old, Nelson heard his country's call. He enlisted to join the 74th Regiment of the New York State Militia that had been ordered down to a small town in Pennsylvania named Gettysburg to halt the advance of the Confederate Army. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Father Baker's military history, check out our Father Baker Retold episode on just that exact topic. Anyway, after his term of enlistment had ended, Nelson returned to Buffalo and to his familiar life. Capitalizing on a still-booming city and his gift for business, he formed a partnership with an old friend named Joseph Meyer. The two established a grain and flour business known as Meyer and Baker, located at 272 Washington Street. In short order, the endeavor turned profitable, in large part due to Nelson's vision. A Father Baker biographer, Father Thomas Galvin, wrote of this time, The businessmen of the city soon discovered in him not only their equal, but their superior in matters of finance. It all seemed to be going according to plan. But, like many people in their 20s, Nelson felt that something was missing. Could he be doing more? Making more of an impact on his community? This thought would ring in his mind 
for months. His maturing faith prompted him to get more involved with helping the needy, so he became a member of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. He also assisted the superintendent of an orphanage and protectory in Limestone Hill, a southern suburb of Buffalo. By the way, does Limestone Hill ring a bell? Because it might. Fast forward about 20 years, and Father Baker becomes the superintendent of that same organization, one day changing its name to the Our Lady of Victory Institutions. Back now to 1868, and at the age of 26, Nelson began to take a few steps toward the priesthood. He sought out Latin instruction at St. Michael's Church and went on a trip to New York City, at which he attended an Ignatian-style retreat at St. John's College. That would later be renamed Fordham University. Interestingly enough, also that year he began a diary focused primarily on the internal conflict over his future. The following year, Nelson did something else that many of us do in times of contemplation. He took a trip to clear his head. In June of 1869, he left Buffalo on an 18-day steamboat trip on the Great Lakes, using the time to visit churches, pray, and prepare himself for the decision he seemed to be on the verge of making. Upon his return, his mind was made up. He would enter the seminary. But telling everyone who was important in his life about this decision would not be easy. His writings later in life point to what may have been a difficult process for Nelson. Father, I think, does not like to have me here at the seminary, nor does my business partner, nor my brothers. But my mother and God and Mary do. His first day at Our Lady of Angels Seminary, what would one day become Niagara University, was September 1st, 1869. He was 27 years old, and his life, and those of countless others, would never be the same. A very special thank you goes to our guests. Monsignor David LaPuma, pastor and rector of OLV National Shrine and Basilica, and president of the OLV Institutions, and Eileen Buckley, award-winning journalist at WKBW-TV. Both of these tremendous people did a wonderful job in helping us bring this incredible true story to life. And on behalf of all of those that helped put it together, thank you for listening to this episode of Father Baker Retold. For more information on Venerable Nelson Baker, Western New York's saintly hero, be sure to listen to our other podcasts in this series or follow OLV Charities or OLV Basilica on social media. We are so grateful for your support.